Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Please hang up and try again. Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson, Tree Hugger, and man, now the phones are starting to light up. I thought it was just going to be cold and dark and uh, unbearable, but there's our Jersey rep. What's up, Matt? Hey, good evening, Chip. What's going How on? Are you, dude? <laughs> dude, it's like <laughs> it, I think it's warmer there than it is here tonight. That's possible. I mean, we're I think sitting we got at about forties uh, right now. So. You're in the forties? Oh, we're we're yeah. already down to thirty-eight, man. Oh man. Yeah, the uh, it looks like the. Oh, it uh, says thirty-eight. I just checked it. Oh, uh, okay. So, so we're right on par there. Right on par. I guess the edge is like hitting you guys about the same time. Let's see yeah. what it looks like on the on the north side of Atlanta. Hey, Jim, are you there? Chilly on the north side and 37 and windy. 37 and windy, huh? We'll have to figure out the wind chill yes. factor. <laughs> it's, uh, it's cold. For like, for yeah. I put a put another log on the fire here and hit the thermostat a couple of times. So. The, uh, the the polar blast is is making its way into the southeast and the uh, the north and along the coast, I guess. So it's all those Canadians' fault. <laughs> yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah, in <laughs> Canadians, man. If they would just pay their heating bill. So it's supposed to be yeah, we- twenty-seven here in the morning. Holy cow. We didn't get the wind yet here, but it's it's been raining for the past two hours. And um supposed to get a little snow tonight. It's calling for a half inch, but it shouldn't stick since the ground's still warm. Yeah. Now we're uh we're I don't think they're calling for any snow here. I think it's just the cold and maybe a little frost on the pumpkin in the morning, but I, I saw a few drops. There were some clouds, and then as I was coming in this evening, it was uh, it was a few sprinkles on the windshield. But it's it was still about 42 there. 
Well, cold weather makes me want to hibernate, man. So. You got to get your snow tires on over there. You know, after after the last uh, snowmageddon here in Atlanta last year, <laughs> where two inches of snow closed the entire uh, southeastern United States, uh, we uh, I actually invested. I I kept my eyeballs on uh, on the uh, on the eBay and uh, got a set of chains for my truck. So if it happens again, I'm ready, man. I can I can. Pull anybody out, but my buddy yeah, I'll never had a forget set. seeing that on the news uh, over there. It, it looked like a war zone. Like there was cars oh. on the side of the road on fire. I was like, "What's going on over there?" It was insane, Jim. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, up on your end, I think there were people that took them like five, six hours to get home from work that day. There were people who slept in their cars overnight. There were people sleeping in their cars. There were people who worked on the north side who lived down there towards you. One of our friends, it took her 23 hours to get home from work. Um, My wife and about 50 of her best friends spent the night at the fire station about two and a half miles from our house because some people left their cars on a hill, and the hill had iced over. They didn't have good tires, so... They couldn't get up the hill. They couldn't go down the hill. They got sideways. They just left their cars, abandoned their cars, and that clogged up all the traffic. Yeah. As yeah I was a, it was bad. I was, I was escaping from my job site on the north side, headed south. It was starting to get ugly. And uh, once I got off the highway, I just drove in the median or the side of the road. I put it in four-wheel drive. It was muddy, but the truck made it through. <laughs> Everybody who tried to stay on the road eventually left the road. <laughs> so. Yep, it was it was a mess, an unnecessary mess. Yeah, yeah, they should have just closed everything down. But well, we typically so other, don't believe the weather guesser. <laughs> you know, the other thing too is, you know, doesn't snow enough in Atlanta to warrant a significant investment in. Uh, trucks that are dedicated to spreading salt and snow plows, right? And there's not a lot of people who buy a snow plow and contract themselves out like they do in places like Toronto, Rochester, and Buffalo. But we right. have lots of garbage trucks. And you can buy plows and put them on the front of garbage trucks, and we have lots of garbage trucks, right? And the yeah. plows don't take up room, and it's not that the investment is much less than buying a truck outfitted for all that. So, you know, you'd think they'd wise up and buy some, some plows for our garbage trucks and maybe some spreaders to attach to the back of them and put our garbage trucks out there to kind of help it. But, you know, that's beyond their comprehension, I guess. They do it in northern states. They'll use trucks, right? Yeah. That's what they do up here when it's real bad and they don't have enough trucks to, to cover everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Garbage so, trucks get the plows. That's right. That's right. And then the so, dump trucks, yep. um, the ones that don't have the plows on them, they're just dedicated to spreading salt. There you go. So, <clears throat> Kurt Miller said we're going to have a below average cold winter with three major events as far as snow ice. Is that right? That's his, that's his prediction. I heard it last week. Oh. I was like, great. Another cold winter. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good because um, up here in Jersey, we actually we ran out of road salt last year. <laughs> right. 
Well, I've never we, heard of that happening before. Well, they've made some serious investments in in gravel and trucks and stuff like that since last week. But holy crap! And you know, actually, when I worked at the airport, we had the best kind of update there because everybody knew what was going to go on there. So, and and actually, the airlines had the better weather teams than the actual airfield itself. So the the airfield would just like call conference calls and have all the airline guys check in and, uh, you know, let them know what was going on. So, but typically when Atlanta gets backed up, it's because of like the, the major, uh, ports up in the Northeast, like, uh, Dulles and, uh, Baltimore and stuff like that. When they start getting socked in Boston, then everything slows down here in Atlanta. So, but anyways, let's talk about fishing, man. I didn't get to fish last week. Anybody fish? You been out fishing, man? I didn't fish last weekend. It was a good weekend. I I had to help uh, help my pops uh, winterize his boats. So yeah, got that taken care of the whole weekend. Yeah, but it didn't get out. Oh. I did but buy you, a new Jim? rifle, though. <laughs> yeah, a new know. rifle? <laughs> I did. Oh. There you go. Um, I got on a plane Thursday night and flew down to St. Simons, where my mom and dad and sister are, and took that Friday off and did a combination of worked on their technology in their houses, and uh-huh. Friday afternoon we got to fish a little bit, caught about a dozen sea trout, and then we had that full moon on Friday, and we had a good 11 or 12 foot tide associated with it. So Saturday we got the motorized GNU and went up a bunch of small creeks looking for stripers because they like that fast moving water, and we didn't right. find any stripers. I think I think it's too early in the season. So um, yeah. A, a dozen good sea trout on Friday before the full moon, and then one real heavy sea trout Saturday while we were trolling for stripers, and then I flew back Sunday, so I didn't get to fish Sunday. Um, like I said, I'm looking forward. Hopefully by Christmas those stripers will be back in the little creeks that we um, fish in them for. Has to uh-huh. go off a little bit a little bit later in the year. But the trout, we caught some good trout, sea trout. They were heavy, so... Um, they weren't real long, but they were real fat. I don't know what they were eating, but all the ones we kept were, you know, of course, in the in the proper length. But they had big bellies. They weren't plagues. They were just had been feeding up, I guess, for the winter. Right. So, What'd you catch them on? You no. Know, um. The ones we caught on conventional tackle, we actually we didn't feel like messing around with live bait, so we just used eighth ounce and quarter ounce jig heads on spinning rods with a purple grub body because that water down there is pretty dark as you well know from being in the um, last boondoggle the boondoggles there in st mary's so we tend to unless the water is really clear which it wasn't that clear we tend to go with darker colors this time of year so mm-hmm. we caught just about all the trout on um basically a purple sassy uh saltwater assassin basically a minnow shaped grub with a little paddle tail on it Bigger than a sassy shad, but a right. saltwater is. And then um, I threw the fly and I caught a couple on a um, caught a couple on a purple deceiver, 
And then I caught my biggest one on a little size number four gray over tan clouser with pearl crystal flash and black dumbbell eyes because this time of year the shrimp and crabs all the crabs go either move out or start to hibernate and the shrimp move out of the uh-huh. you know move out past the sound into the deep water and they're eating glass minnows and um, when they're eating those glass minnows it's pretty hard to catch them I mean because they get pretty particular about what they're eating because you know glass yeah. minnows are what the size of your pinky yeah so I I found that um, not using a white belly but um, a gray, uh, gray back with a tan belly and that little crystal pearl crystal flash looks a lot like a glass minnow and I can tie him real short I'm talking about an inch and a half fly real short right. you know almost hard to replicate with a standard grub and jig because the, the jig hook is usually much longer than that yeah so, and it works, you know, works off the coast of Georgia all winter, and it works out in the southern part of Florida because they eat glass windows down there all winter. I mean, it works a lot in the south, that little tan and gray combination, but real short, under two inches, you know. Hmm. So, yeah, it is kind um, of tough when they when they start targeting, you know, they get real specific and uh... – Becker's trying to dial in. He says he can't dial in, log in, or anything. Blog Talk Radio is giving him... Can't even dial in. It says number not in service. Are we here, or is this a figment of my imagination? <laughs> no, we're, we're here. Even as cold as it is, we're still here. <laughs> Let's see. <So. laughs> I'm going to tell him it's on his end. Uh huh. So, yeah, those little uh, glass windows and stuff. Like I said, once it gets targeted on them, it's really hard to turn their nose at anything else. So, that's pretty cool. And you say you tie your own. What size hook do you use? Yeah. Um, for the little glass windows, I use either a number four or a number six or a number eight. Mhm. You know, fairly small stuff, and um, throwing it with a fairly, uh, you know, number uh, an eight weight fly rod or a seven weight fly rod depends on the wind and how far I have to throw it. Yeah. And um, in the panhandle, um, if we find a trout schooled up in the intercoastal, like you'll do during the winter, I actually go down to like a six weight or five weight fly rod and to a light action spinning rod, and actually go down to um, basically a crappy jig. You know, a little eighth ounce crappy jig and a little Mr. Twister white or silver little body like you'd fish for crappy because they're, they stack in on those, um, stacking on those glass minnows down there. And you, you have a heck of a time getting them turned off on anything else. You know, once they get on, like so, when they get on those glass minnows in the winter, they get so right. keyed into that little small bay that you just can't, they won't do anything else. You know, you throw a gulp at them or a DOA or something like that and they just, you know, you might be able to sink it down and catch a bigger one, or maybe if there's some reds hanging around, you might be able to snag a red. But it's uh, it's kind of interesting to watch how they get so focused on that. But you know, um, a lot of places there's nothing else to eat. Yeah. Glass Everything else, everything else going out in deep water. Hmm. Looks like he's making it in. So, 
Yeah, the, you know, I, I've heard, you know, you downsize your, your baits during the cold months or either go real big so that the fish decide, I'm going to spend a little energy here to get a good a good meal. But uh, I never I never thought about that, man, trying crappy jigs on a spinning reel for, uh, who's that now? Well, it looks like, uh, looks like Chuck there. Is that you, Chuck? Yo. It's the it's the redfish chuck, man. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. How are you? Good. We were just chatting, uh my buddy Jim here, North Atlanta. He's said he was down there on the coast, uh coastal you were in Georgia, right, Jim? Yeah, St. Simon's yeah. down the coast. Yeah, he was catching some big trout. Fat trout, not long trout, fat trout. Catching them on the fly this past weekend, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I seen uh. Yeah, fat dumb fish, man. It's fine, but uh, I saw Mark Namovitz and his uh his buddy there on uh, Good Morning America today. They were playing with their big hammerhead shark there off Port St. Lucie. Yeah, that was awesome. Brian, Brian, Nelly, and and Mark uh, have been doing work out there on the ocean, catching a bunch of nice fish, and yeah. that was a pretty cool encounter they had capture on video. Yeah, the, the media makes it out like, oh, it's all so dangerous and everything. It's like it's cool when a shark follows you around, except for the fact that you can't catch any fish. But right, get some cool video. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, unless you're a tarp and a hammerhead's no danger. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> definitely cool to watch it track them and get close and, you know, have a couple of look-sees and then get close again and then back off and then get close again. Like, it, uh, it was just thinking about it, you know? Ah, he was just, he like, thinking, he was, like, he was just swimming, swimming some, with some buddies is what he was doing. You wouldn't be catching <laughs> me to put my feet in the water when that thing's around, though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be dragging my feet in the water, now. No. We used what's to. Funny we, is outside of. Uh, I was gonna say what's funny is outside of Port Canaveral. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's ever a day where I want to stick my feet in the water. <laughs> uh-huh. I've, ca- I've caught too many sharks along that beach to ever even think about it. Yeah. One of the one of the last times I was in the boat out of Pensacola. Taking a wife and the clone there. We were offshore. We were on a reg. We, were, we we had dropped the hook and we were fishing bottom for for snapper and stuff. And it was hot that day. And we were sitting on one side of the rig catching fish. And there was about six other boats on the other side of the rig, and they weren't catching anything. And uh, then she decided she was going to go for a swim. And about the time she got up on the gunnel, you know, get ready to jump in the water, I seen the big fin come up between the boats, you know, make a big cut through, and I said, you know, you might want to wait till the hammerhead swims away before you go jumping in. <laughs> but That's funny. We have more barracuda, though, and I never trust a barracuda. <clears throat> no. You know, no, no I mean, I had... I've had them hit the side of the boat, you know, going after a fish that I was pulling in and stuff, you know, that 
and just cut the fish in half right as you're trying to pull it up out of the water. It's like, it's, those guys never liked being in the water with kudas. Well, did I tell you my story about the uh, the shark that ended up in the back of the, the outback? Oh, no, uh-uh. Uh, this is one of those Good Morning America moments. If I had a camera rolling, <clears throat> um, probably the only time I've ever, like, been scared after the fact, after knowing what had happened, I was scared. Like, I wasn't scared when it happened because I didn't know what was happening. But uh, Alex Gritschke and I and a couple other guys were out fishing off the beach, and the mullet run was in full, full force. And literally, you couldn't cast in any direction and not hook something, whether it was a bluefish or a Spanish mackerel or a jack or a redfish or a snook or whatever. And uh, I'm reeling in a bluefish. <clears throat> I'm just about to lift it into my into my lap. Or was it a jack? It doesn't matter. Anyway, just about to lift the fish into my lap, and all of the, and I look away, and all of a sudden I feel the whole back end of the boat kind of sink for a second uh-huh. and rock to the left and then rock back to the right and then rock back to the left again, and it all happened really quick. It was like, boom, right, and just real fast. And uh, I turn around and look, and Alex Gritschke's eyes were the size of dinner plates. And uh-huh. he was just like, dude, that was a six-plus-foot, black tip shark that was just in the back of your kayak. <laughs> so apparently what had happened was <clears throat> what had happened was uh the shark came out of the water after the fish when I was lifting it into my boat and charged after it, landing in the back of the boat. I had a Yeti cooler behind my back as a backrest for the, the outback and it hit the cooler and kind of stuck there for a second, like just laid across the back of the, the cockpit there and <laughs> rocked himself off the side of the boat. I turned with just enough time to see something fall back into the water with lots of teeth in his face. Nice. And that's when Alex was like, dude, you should have seen it. And it was crazy, but long story <laughs> short. I don't well, at least it was in the shark. back of your kayak and not in your lap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this this is true. Um but yeah, it was uh it was pretty hair raising, I mean pretty crazy. You know, we've had some close calls. We were fishing outside of the port one time, not in the kayaks, it was at night, we were snook fishing and we were using like ten and eleven inch mullet for bait. <clears throat> and the bioluminescence was really, really thick. And so every time a, a school of mullet would rush away from a, a, an approaching predator, the predator and the mullet would all light up. And we were circled, literally completely circled by sharks right off the beach, right off the tip of the jetty. And the next day when we went out, <clears throat> we were fishing during the day, it was the same thing. Sharks were, were everywhere. If you didn't, if you lost sight of your fish below view, so say he ran for the bottom, he was gone. And uh, I look over, my buddy's on a paddle board, and he's got his feet dangling off either side. And I'm like, dude, you done lost your mind. I mean, so. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. People think, you know, people don't realize, you know, that it's, you know, it's a dangerous thing that we do. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, I mean, yeah. there's been some incidences in the past. Like, wasn't there a woman that was, like, a year or two ago, last year, year before last, she got impaled down in the Keys by some houndfish that jumped out of the water and nailed her, and then... I, sh- I seem to recall last summer or something there was a uh, video uh, 
that was on one of the Good Morning shows. It was a YouTube thing where some some guy was standing on the side of a center console and a and a uh, either a Wahoo or a King comes rocking in in the boat, you know, and uh, yeah, he put somebody's eye out with a Kingfish, man. We've had uh, <clears throat> we've had barracudas and kingfish uh, both skyrocket right next to the boat as you're flipping a bogey off the side of the boat. Like before the bogey even hits the water, they they must be sitting right next to the boat waiting for something to happen, and they just come flying out of the water. And it's it's it literally will take your breath away because you, you just you don't really know exactly what's going on because it all happens so fast. But yeah, it's happened a few times to us. <clears throat> all you see is teeth fish. coming out, right? <laughs> <laughs> that? Yeah, all you all you see is like a missile <laughs> leaving the water at at you know sixty miles an hour, and then shooting like eight feet higher than your tea top before it finally lands back in the water again. It is pretty crazy. Yeah, if you've never seen, if you've never been trolling and see a king or a wahoo, I mean kings are the ones that do the, the big skyrocket. And I don't think I've ever seen a wahoo jump, but I know they will. I've had I've but, had one, yeah, I was, yeah, I've had one do it. But I mean, I've seen kings, you know, where you're, you know, you're standing at the helm under the t-top, like you say, and you you look back, you hear the reel go off, and you look back, and the, and the line is going up in the air, and the fish is higher than your t-top, you know, back in the spread there, and you're like, what the heck? You know, it's like you think maybe a gull came and grabbed your bait or something, and. uh you see the king come back down out of the out of the air and hit the water. So it's pretty pretty interesting. So. We had uh, I used to have a Stamus, a twenty seven foot center console, and uh, we took my brother in law's family from where are they from Kentucky. We took them out offshore fishing for the first time. They'd never been offshore before, and it was kind of a slow day. Whatever. Dragon baits out by the 20 mile buoy that we have out here, and you know, sometimes you look back in the spread when you're trolling if you've ever trolled. <clears throat> excuse me, and you're looking at a uh, you're looking at a particular ballyhoo that's swimming just perfect, and you know it's about to get eaten. You're just like, God, that thing's got to get hit. And um, we're going along, and I told my brother-in-law's uncle, I said, "Watch that bait, that outrigger bait. Something's going to crush. Something's going to crush it any minute now." Usually when you pull past the buoy, you at least catch a barracuda, right? And to them, a barracuda would have been, like, the most awesome thing ever because all they ever catch is, like, perch and brim and stuff. So uh, uh, we're we're pulling along, and all of a sudden, a 60-pound wahoo comes flying out of the water with the bait in his mouth. And when I say this fish probably made it 20 feet in the air, I'm not exaggerating at all. I mean, he must have come up from 60, 70 feet down hit that bait and never missed a beat. The craziest part about those, any of them, kingfish, any of those fish, when they do that, the second they hit the water, it's like overdrive. It's like they don't need any time to kind of like recoup and figure out what just happened. <laughs> it's like, this, like they're already wagging their tails as they're about to hit the water because as soon as he hit the water, he almost he almost dumped the 30 wide. And it was, uh, but it was pretty awesome to see that, you know. But there you go. Hmm. That's my story. That's, That's your story, yeah. That's it. Well, let me let me say hi to uh, Mr. Becker. He's he's joined us here from from the western coast there of Florida. The uh, 
The west armpit of Florida. Yes, that's correct. The west armpit? No, that's not the west armpit. I mean, you got to get up up near Cedar Key to get in the armpit. Oh, that's true. That is that is true. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Sorry, so, I'm late. Sorry, you was late. Well, if you can't get in, you can't get in. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, I know last night that uh, Wheeler was having some problems checking in and getting online, so his his show didn't make it in. BTR was kind of messing with him. So, how's the West Coast? Uh, it's here. Uh, yeah. Beautiful day today. Another nice day tomorrow, and then the cold front. Well, we got a little bit cold front dropping in. Uh, you know, just in time for the weekend, and then uh, another big one on Tuesday. It's going to get down, uh, not quite in single digits, but it's going to get close. So. Hmm. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the weather map for uh, temperatures, and everywhere in the United States was blue except for Southern California and Florida. <laughs> 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 you guys, it was all yellow and red over there. <laughs> well, hopefully it won't kill the snook again. Hopefully, we won't have a big snook kill. Well, that one that one was preceded by like a week of really cold weather, right? So the water temperatures were already down. So when, so you know, it's like, you know, nothing's been cold enough here long enough for for you know water temperatures to take a huge dip. So, I mean, yeah, we still what, have tarpon cruising around, so we're we're still good down here. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I haven't have have uh, Chuck. Have you heard any word on the uh, adventure fishing tournament? I know Woody was supposed to have a meeting a couple weeks or a week after the boondoggle, but I haven't heard anything about it. Have you? Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything either. Um, last, well, last I heard was that it was going to take place back in Flamingo, but. Yeah, that's I I know. I mean, I talked to him there at the boondoggle, and he said that it looked like they were gonna do, uh, they were gonna do flamingo again. So when I mean, I'm thinking about you know going down for the February boondoggle, and I got a campsite for the week, thinking. Yeah, I might as well just stay in, stay there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of stinks because I'm gonna have to choose between one or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I can't, I can't do both. Can't take that much time off of work. But I'm actually trying to get down to Flamingo right after Christmas. We're gonna, we're gonna be down that way. We're gonna be at Sugarloaf Key during the Christmas holidays. Gonna try to. Fish the keys. Yeah. Hmm. So I changed my game plan. Might change the game plan a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, we're we'll be at the campground there on Sugarloaf. Um thought I might give the uh what is that little cove there? I can't remember the name of it now. But uh I think there's a pretty good flat. The campground sits like right on the water there and stuff. So, but give us a fishing report, Chuck. Man, 
Jim said he went fishing in St. Simon's and caught some fat trout and that the stripers weren't there yet. Matt didn't get to fish last week. I don't know. Greg, did you get to fish? Uh, negative Ghost Rider. Negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is empty. I've been doing Monday. I've been doing the Monday Fun Day thing. The Monday Fun Day. The Monday Fun. Yeah, Monday Fun Day. Basically, I'm, my shop's closed on Mondays. Okay. So that's really my my day to fish. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had an opportunity. Me and a couple of my buddies had an opportunity to go look at some private property uh, in South Volusia County, which is the county just north of me. And yeah. on that piece of property, there are several ponds or small lakes that used to be rock quarries and uh they're full of bass they've got they've got bass in them and some of them have hybrid bass in them and there's giant brim the size of my hand uh which if you know me then you know how big my hands are it's a pretty big brim but anyhow um so we've been playing around with that a little bit there's some business aspects to this piece of property that we're interested in um, so we're doing a little bit of low sodium stuff the last couple of weeks, but today uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Stephen Lester, who's part of who owns and operates, um, old, what is it, Old Florida Outdoors? Sorry, um, uh-huh. he got out today with a buddy of ours, Ty Nelson. Ty got his first redfish on fly from a kayak today. Uh, cool belly crawler. Yep, in a mosquito lagoon belly crawler super shallow, um, back half out of the water, that kind of thing. Uh, that's been going on nonstop uh, for probably the last, I would say, month and a half. All the redfish are starting to transition into a different uh, feeding pattern. Our mullet run is pretty much over and non-existent. There's still some kind of hanging around, but the, the mass numbers of fish aren't, aren't here anymore. So our fish are kind of in a transitional period now where they're starting to hone in more on the um, crustacean-based diet and smaller thin fish like mud minnows and things like that. Our big trout have just been, this this year has been the most ridiculous year I've ever seen for big trout. I was talking to a customer of mine today, Steve uh, Davidson, and we were talking, he's from Virginia area, and we were talking about big trout, and he was like, yeah, you know, we catch, we used to catch some big trout up there. I said, no. Big trout or big trout down here. Like when you catch a big trout, we're talking a 20, not even a 25, a 28 to 34 inch trout is a big trout. Um, 25 inch trout's pretty pretty standard anymore. You know, anything over 20 inches is still a beautiful fish, but, you know, not even picture worthy really anymore. Um, but there's just been such an overabundance of giant trout. So, if you remember a couple of years ago when I, when you guys were down and we got to go fish the aquarium and yeah. uh, all those trout you've seen scooting around, well, they've all had a good solid year and a half or so to, to plump up and get even bigger. And they're starting to stage in that same general area. So, oh. um, get, yeah, getting real excited about that. Um, usually that, that spot doesn't really turn on until the end of December, beginning of January. That's my... Uh, New Year's Day location of choice. You know, I'll, I'll go there on New Year's Day to start the new year off right and catch a 25-plus-inch trout on top water. And, uh, you know, it's almost a given. Just go there, throw a top water plug, and it's going to happen. Um, but with that being said, I no longer throw spinning rods. So 
it's going to have to be a gurgler or some sort of a topwater popper that I'm going to have to make because I've dedicated uh, 2015, the rest of 2014 and, and all of 2015 to nothing but fly. So uh, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, fishing mm-hmm. down here has been great. We've, we've had, um, for guys who are kind of landlocked too or shore-based, the jetty out at Port Canaveral, the Jetty Park Pier, has been on fire every single night with giant redfish. So guys are catching 40-plus-inch redfish every single night out there. There's a, there's a monstrous school of them that are sitting offshore right now out there spawning. And at night they come in towards the jetties, and guys are just wailing on them. So lots of lots of stuff to be caught right now. It's good. Nice. Very cool. Well, it sounds very interesting. I guess maybe I should take take some more time off. <laughs> take more time off and come down. Yeah, that I know, right? That we're looking at got a cabin on it. That property we're we're working on has got a, a little. Uh, I call it an efficiency cabin. It's basically a trailer that's built to look like a little cabin. Uh, it's uh-huh. got a kitchen. It's got a little like little seating area. Then it's got a bedroom. It's got a little loft with a couple of air mattresses and a bathroom and a shower. And uh, I think part of our plan is to possibly rent it out uh, to folks for the weekend who want to come down or come over or whatever from you know out of town. And it basically puts you at State Road Three on the way out of the refuge out onto US one. So if you're familiar, I know you are familiar with um State Road Three, which is the road that runs past Biolab and Hall Over and, and all that stuff. Um yeah. out by Mosquito Lagoon, it's you it would leave you with a short five to ten minute drive to Beacon forty two. Nice. So I mean it's yeah, I mean there's plenty of room for campers if we wanted to put a few RVs out there. There's no hookups but um, actually, I think there's one hookup on the property, but uh, tent camping and all that kind of stuff, it, it may be an opportunity for some of that kind of thing, too, which, again, once you come in and you close the gates behind you, it's private property. So, I mean, you want to come out and bring some firearms and shoot some firearms, you can do that. You want to come out and hunt some deer and hunt some turkeys, you can do that. You want to, you know, whatever you want to kind of do on the piece of property. So there's... There will be opportunities going forward for folks coming into town that want to fish locally. Cool. Is it on the is it on the lagoon or? No, it's 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 across. It's on the west side of US one. So it's it's uh-huh. literally like I mean, if you stood at the front gate and looked down US one to the north, um, right. you're probably 200 yards or so. You can if you Google Earth it, you can see the property. It's pie shaped and it's full of ponds. And uh, we may or may not have some river species that are living in one of the ponds. Hmm. So, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting little setup. I mean, we we went out there the other day and took some machetes with us because some of it's overgrown and went and checked out some things. And being that they're old rock quarries, it's really deep water. Um um, but again, I'm throwing fly, so I, I didn't have a sinking line with me. I'm in 30 feet of water, not knowing what the heck to do with myself. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. 
Very neat. And and that's call it. I'm looking at it here, so is it where three and one intersect up there in the corner? Is that where it's at? It's just it yeah, it's just south of that on the west on the west side of the road. I mean, you can't on the west the property's the Yeah, the property's the only property that's got five or six ponds on it that are pretty close connected. There's some hardwoods you can see um on the right hand side of the property and then there's um, some hardwoods in the very back corner that parallel with the railroad tracks. Hmm. Yeah. You'll see, like, there's a little overpass thing that's just south of where three and one intersect. Yeah. There's a little overpass coming back south. Yeah. It's before the overpass and before what looks like a fish farm because it is a fish farm. It's the That's the Inland that's Ocean. Right. That's the guy that has the Barramundi ponds, isn't right. it? Right. It well not no no no. It doesn't have he doesn't have Barramundi. He's got redfish, pompano and some and tilapia, I think. But it's the property that, that meets that. So if you go oh. north from that just a smidge, all those yeah. bigger ponds that are there, that's it. Hmm. Those don't look natural. Yeah. No no, they're definitely not natural. They're they're rock quarries. So oh, I mean, okay. it's been They've been dug out, and you know it. But like I say, every one of them's got fish in it. And some some of the ponds allegedly have eight, nine, ten, and twelve pound bass in them. I I haven't seen it yet. But then again, I'm again I'm throwing fly. I mean, if I was out there throwing crankbaits and stuff like that, I might would find them or throwing shiners or something. But um, there's definitely some some decent fish in there though. Need some of them big old giant red fin shiners, man. Some that are about twelve inches long. Well, we go out on this one, there's a dock on one of the ponds, and it, we call it the goldfish pond because, I mean, literally it's not even, like, fair. You just walk out with any, anything at all that's small and brown and twitch it through the water, and those little hybrid bass will smack it, sunshine bass, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They'll smack that lure just as fast as it hits the water. There's literally thousands of them in there. And uh, there's some... Big, big brim in that pond. And I've watched big six to nine pound bass come up and smash those brim right there off the dock. So I know there's some big fish in there. I mean, it just looks fishy. You know what I'm saying? It's got that feel yeah. to it. But those rock quarries are old. They've been there for a long time. So This is just a new venture for the uh, for the outfitter shop there? Yeah, it's something a little different, you know. Uh the shop itself is doing pretty well, and uh, we, again, I was presented with this opportunity to kind of get on board with it. I think that the bigger picture is to do, like I say, have an opportunity for folks to come down who don't want to stay in a hotel and don't want to stay like in a little, you know, those little motel hotels on US One, which are kind of shady. Right. This will give somebody uh, an angler. This will give an angler an opportunity to come down stay on a piece of property that's private. He pretty much has his pick of any pond he wants to fish in if he wants to go freshwater. And then he can just jump right across the highway with his truck, go straight to the lagoon, you know. So it's almost like you could do a lagoon morning, bass evening kind of thing if you wanted to. Or just do nothing but lagoon fishing. But 
the close proximity to the lagoon is, I think, what what intrigues me the most because there's nothing, as you know, up there, anywhere up there for you to camp. So, right. um, you know, it's 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 got some possibilities. It's it's just a matter of us figuring out exactly how we're going to go about doing it. You know. Cool. But yeah, fun fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. Well, I think, Chuck, you're in the only place in the States right now that's warm enough to have any kind of fun. So the rest of us are setting, you know, getting ready to crack up the furniture and set it on fire to stay warm. So, but, but you guys that's one of the. vicariously through us down here. That's so. right. We will do that. Matt, Matt is just, he's getting ready to. Uh, <laughs> Matt's getting ready to to put his uh, his boats under snow for for the winter. So I fired up the snowblower when I got home from work today, just to make sure it would start. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's kind of like a lawnmower, no. but the blade goes the other direction. No. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was born in Long Island, so yeah, I've, I've experienced snowblowers before. Yeah. <laughs> That does that does suck though. I'm anxiously awaiting the arrival of my PA seventeen, so um yeah. This entire the rest of the winter and all of the fall all of spring will be uh will be interesting. We're doing a lot of filming and a lot of uh, photography with this little venture we're doing. So um as far as only fly. We're actually gonna put out a webisode slash D V D. We'll have a DVD available at the end of the thing. Um pretty much just going to pick apart the state and catch as many species of fish on fly as we can. So, Right. Huh. That'd be cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, it's about time for me to go into homework checking mode. And, uh, you know, just kind of this is the way it goes here at uh, on the buzzard's row. Talk, then uh, the time is just flying by. So, Matt, what do you? What's your game plan, man? Are you just still winterizing stuff for the rest of the year, and that's it, man? Or are you waiting for the stripers to start running? Uh, well, supposedly the stripers are running. They're, they're killing them out on Long Island, so I might take a trip out there this weekend if it's not too windy. Or the other side of it is I might go down to Delaware because they're catching 15-pound tog down there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's it's all depends on the wind. It's supposed to be northwest twenty to twenty five on Saturday, so I, uh-huh. I don't know if I want to burn the gas. We'll see. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, if you do, we'll expect a uh, we'll expect a report next week. See how it went, man. So, Fifteen pound tog sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds like uh, getting anchored pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. And, I'll uh, let you know. Okay, man. Jim, how about you, man? What's your game plan? You gonna head back to the coast or? No, this weekend I've got some um, chores that I need to do, and I'll probably since it's getting dark so early, I'll probably tie some flies from my Christmas trip. I'm nice. Gonna tie some more you know, imitations. I've got. I think we're gonna go to the coast for Christmas and slide further south, maybe towards Naples, and I've got all my stuff tied for the Naples trip, but I want to tie. 
some more stuff for my St. Simon's trip. Um, some more small glass minutes for the sea trout. And right. then I've got some fairly large stuff I tied for stripers up here. But I might tie a few more striper flies if they do more down there for Christmas if they're showed up if they have shown up by then, which they should have. I'm gonna need a you know, they're eating twelve inch mullet. So I need to tie a few half and halves, a couple of bigger deceivers or something something with a little bulk to it. Right. Put a lot of flash on it. Yeah, because you know that water down there is, you know, you only got three inches of visibility on a good day. So right. um, I'll tie some stuff, a little bit flashier stuff, maybe some big whistlers and some big half and halves. But it's going to be chilly up here this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be real cold this weekend. So I don't, I don't think I'll even go outside. I'll just be wimp. <laughs> Sit sit in front of the fire. So that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, it sounds like a plan to me, man. So all right. Well, um I think that's about it. Chuck, man, you you're hanging in there. You're gonna kick off the week next week with uh Monday night show. What's what's the game plan? Uh we're gonna talk a little bit more fly stuff. Um, I think what I'm going to start doing is leading a little bit in the beginning of the show into the fly talk and then rounding it out with some conventional stuff. I know I can't, you know, talk exclusively about fly on the show, otherwise I'll lose some folks. But, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks down here. We're, we're waiting to see what Monday is going to bring as far as some rain. We might get some rain. And uh, not that that will stop me from fishing, but it could definitely change up you know, what the plan will be, but that I'm sure I'll just be wrapping up my Monday Sunday and then talking about uh, our adventure we've got planned for next year as far as the filming stuff and um, photography and whatnot. So all good things, cool. my friend, all good things. The downtown district of Titusville is, is coming back to life again, finally. So yeah. if anybody's looking for a place to go and, and take the family or whatever, um, you still got NASA's still open, obviously Kennedy Space Center. You can go out there and check that out. And then uh, we've got a, our own microbrewery now in town, which is cool. Just opened up, Play Linda Brewery. Um, and then uh, we've got a popcorn shop and all kinds of things. It's getting kind of touristy around here. I like it. Yeah. All right. We have to get them to like brew up some kind of special redfish chuck beer or something. <laughs> I, I actually one of my customers, a young guy, one of my customers, his girlfriend, uh, her her uncle owns the brewery, and I was talking to her, and I was like, hmm, maybe there we get a special kayak fishing radio brew or something like that. And she's like, KFR Blue or something like that. Yeah, yeah, KFR Brew or something that'd be cool. Yeah, make it like right. a really strong IPA. <laughs> Good, yeah, we could do that. I can. I can, I'm always in for a little something like that. All right. So, very cool. Well, guys, I think. Uh, let me see if uh, Greg is unmuted. Is saying you, you going to say good night, Greg? I don't know if he's. I think he's just in listen mode. He was having a little technical difficulty at the beginning, but we can forgive him that. He's still. Overcome. There, there he is. He just kind of zoomed through the room. I did. 
Yeah. Sorry about that. No worries, man. We just want to give you an opportunity to say goodnight. Shameless plugs for advertisements or anything like that. Nothing uh, nothing to plug aside from uh, looking forward to getting back out on the water. Hopefully that's going to happen in the next, uh, next couple of weeks or so, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing folks out there. All right. Well, that'll be about it for the night then. And uh, we're going to do uh, – Chuck's uh, going to kick it off on Monday night. Maybe Wheeler will be able to get back online next week, and then we'll be back here again. It seems like it's just like, bam, another Thursday is here, and another Thursday night is gone. So everybody stay warm. Thanks, everybody. Matt, Chuck, Greg, Jim. We'll see you guys next weekend. Be safe out on the water. Wear your PFDs. Um, and stay warm. And we'll see you next week. I just looked outside, and it is snowing out. Oh, Matt. That's terrible. All right, then, man. Stay warm. And we'll see you guys next week. Kayak Fishing Radio. Take a kid fishing. Because um, that's the best thing. All right. We're out. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.